0: You are listening to Tuesday Takes with the Tommy Experience. Tune in to the ColorCast app on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Central Time to listen to the show live, chat with the boys, and maybe even be on the show. Download the ColorCast app or go to tommyexperience.com for more information. And now, here's the show. All righty. Happy Tuesday, everyone. My name is Tommy. This is Tuesday Takes. Jason, how are you, my friend?
1: I'm good. It's my favorite time of, of the week. Tuesday at five o'clock Mountain Time where I am, um, and yeah, it's it's Tuesday. Have you ever seen the the TikTok of the guy who does the It's Tuesday videos? Uh, I
0: don't think so. No,
1: I'll have to send it. Uh, I'll, I'll tweet it at you um after the show. It's uh he just does like a new like goofy like Tuesday accent each week. And I don't know why this guy loves Tuesdays, but uh, it gets me in the mood for Tuesdays. And it reminds me that we have a podcast today. I love um, and
0: Tuesdays, for sure. Tuesdays are my favorite It's a good day. day. Yes, it's a good day. Uh, we got basketball on the television. Uh, it, there's a lot of things that are happening that are good right now. Um, and one of those is that Tuesday Takes is here. I heart Tuesdays. Um, man, we got a show today, my friend. Uh, there's lots to talk about. It's Super Bowl week. Happy Super Bowl week! Both of our uh, gambling favorite teams are in the Super Bowl. That's fun.
1: Yeah, kind of a crazy coincidence. Um, and definitely want to talk about it because this is going to be a hard one to bet. Um, but but we'll definitely get into that. Um, we want to talk about some head coaching uh, hires. Um, one that uh kind of goes in line with what we talked about last week. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about baseball, which isn't the greatest thing to talk about right now, but we're going to do it anyways. Um, we have some NASCAR notes, so you'll probably lead that conversation. but um, And then we want to talk about maybe some sports conspiracies that we believe in, uh, talk about gambling, um, and then we'll really dive deep into the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, but I think where we need to start is... Uh, Something that you pointed out, Kyler Murray, the uh, quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, he took off everything about the Arizona Cardinals on his social media. And the only thing left that's related to NFL football is a picture of him against or with a Packers logo, which doesn't make me feel good. Uh, is Kyler hinting at that he wants to be moved or he could be moved this off season? Because I didn't even know this was a possibility. Uh, so what I haven't seen, were you by any chance able
1: to like see what was actually taken off?
0: Uh, No, I'm gonna, I'm not, I'm not going to lie here. I didn't look all too much into this. Yeah. I mean
1: this, so this happens a lot in European football and in soccer in England, uh, players will, you know, like like one time there was a player for arsenal who signed a new i think it was a boot deal a new cleat deal um and because of that he had to take a couple pictures down but he didn't have like arsenal player in his bio he didn't like follow arsenal um and and all that so like people freaked out and were like he scrubbed his instagram of arsenal and the truth was he never had much to begin with And it was, like, a sponsorship that changed, so he had to change it. Mm. And it, like, wasn't a big deal, and he played another, like, two years at Arsenal. Yeah. So, like, that's why I'm kind of weary of these, like, these stories of, like, people scrub Instagram. um, But I don't, I haven't, like, really been able to see, and I haven't looked too much into it, but um, I'd like to see, like, what he's deleted. Um, It looks like he still has, like, uh, you know, a picture of him in, you know, in his Pro Bowl uniform up. um, And... I don't know if he had a lot of Arizona Cardinals stuff before yeah. I, I think it'd be a weird time to move uh, For him. I didn't like ex- I wouldn't have expected him to move. Yeah, um, obviously we also have uh, Russell Wilson uh, recently talking about wanting to um, You know or being possibly open to the idea of playing in Washington. Yeah, um, which
0: we, if you're open up We need to talk about Washington because they have a name for their franchise now. Uh and we need to discuss that because that's way more important than any of this.
1: <laughs> yep. Logos, jerseys, names, that is that is up your alley. The
0: name, uh, the commanders, correct? That I'm I'm right there. It is the commanders.
1: Yeah, it's okay. the commies, yes. the commanders.
0: The commies, uh the commanders. So they replaced uh the the terrible name that they had with the people that killed the terrible name that they had so we're doing we're doing well we we've got things under control here um don't mind the logo uh like uh, <laughs> it's whatever my problem is the jer- the black jersey that they have and the helmet that goes with it—it's just the W is in the front of the helmet. It just looks weird. Have you seen it yet?
1: I haven't seen the the logo or, or the the colors yet. Um, I know obviously they'll be red and yellow. So I know people have been calling them the, the commies, yeah. um, and they just happen to you know uh, share a or the colors of um, you know the the old uh, hammer and sickle. Um, so it, like you know, kind of a funny uh, thing that people are calling them, but I haven't, I haven't seen too much and I'm not like, we kind of talked about it beforehand and commanders wasn't really high on the list of even what we thought it would be No, So I think it's just kind of like underwhelming. Um, I do want to point out that the last time that there was a new football NFL team with a new name in the NFL was 1997. So I was three or I'm sorry, 1999. So I was five so i i think any name to me would sound weird yeah um i think any like and anyone our age and even that was the houston texans which is like the biggest cop-out because of course houston texas houston texans sounds like you know that rolls off the tongue already and there's right. no questions about it so like that was like a slam dunk name before that like the tennessee titans was a couple years even before that um so i think like new nfl names is just so weird
0: to us yeah anything that they it was always kind of gonna be weird yeah i hear and
1: and if you notice like uh, you and i both and a lot of people said like it should have been one of the things that had red in it and maybe that's just because like that's easier for us to digest is like yeah red hawks sounds you know reasonable because it sounds like redskins maybe to us so like uh like i think it was always going to be weird i think they went with one of the worst choices um I'm glad that it still ends like it's commanders and not like one of the ones that didn't end plurally and with it. Yeah. Um,
0: I hear that. Cause we talked about that. My biggest, that my biggest beef is the black Jersey. I don't like that. And there's some weird stuff happening in the numbers of the other two, but they kept the same colors, uh, which I think everybody wanted. The helmets are a W they have a different, it's a different looking W than what was in the Washington football team one uh they do have a patch it's like a, a like an emblem uh it shows that they were uh founded in 1932 but then they have their championships that they've won in their one of the logos is all of the championships that they won but you know how uh so for example the 1985 Chicago Bears they won their Super Bowl in 1986 but it's the 85 team right these guys they did, yeah, they put the year that they won the championship, they didn't put the year like the team is, so it's off, and that's what's going out, so all around this, I mean, the Washington football team, like as a franchise is a mess, regardless of what is happening with the name or whatever, uh, but they did their best in trying to screw this up,
1: <laughs> they got yeah. Yeah, I mean that they're they're gonna do that. That's what that's what Washington football team does.
0: Yes, yeah. So sorry to sidetrack there, but yes, Russell Wilson said that he would like to go and be in Washington. And you know, Washington, like we we crap on them as a franchise. They got a pretty good defense. And if you if Russell Wilson is allowed to be Russell Wilson in an offense, and maybe he just needs a change of scenery, uh, maybe we get another good Russell Wilson at some point. Washington would be a cool landing spot, and I've also heard a rumor that just trading Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson straight up, so they both get new starts in different franchises. Uh, I've heard that as well. Um, that would be a little frightening on my part. Um, but this, it, it's a weird offseason where you have Aaron Rodgers and you have Russell Wilson, and now you add in Kyler Murray. Uh, there's been rumors of Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins, like where, like all these quarterbacks like starting quarterbacks potentially going to different places to play football uh it's a different offseason than it's ever really been yeah so
1: let's uh let's look at it from a player's angle and like from a player's perspective let's try to put I know you hate Aaron Rodgers I know you would never say any good quarterback should go to Green Bay but from from each each of these quarterbacks perspectives, where would a, a good landing spot be? Where's the best place for Kyler Murray? Because yeah. we were talking about it today, I uh, mean, a couple of buddies, and uh, one of them made the point, why leave Arizona at all? I mean, he's, you know, they, they seem to cater to him. They gave him great, uh, you know, passing threats. Um, but why would you leave it all? Um, my response was, I mean, it seems like if, if this scrub is to be believed, he is leaving. Um, and my first response is like, I would love to see Kyler Murray in Denver. I think the Broncos would just be complete. You know, they have those those two, three tight end sets where he could just kind of scramble around and find an out route. Um, and then, you know, being able to hand it off, I think, um, you know, this kid they have Javante Williams now is, is a very talented running back that if he gets, you know, 17 weeks, I think he'll do a lot of damage. And then you, you, you know, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy are a good receiving core. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, a great defense, that's like, You know, they're there. They go from a non playoff team to like a Super Bowl contender, in my book, if it's like MVP Kyler. Um, Where where do you think Kyler goes? Like, where do you think he he makes the most sense for? Well, it
0: it wasn't even on my radar that he was going to go anywhere. So it's hard for me to say. Uh, But I I would have to think about it. But yeah, like you said, going to somewhere like Denver would be awesome. Although that was one of the spots where I really needed Aaron Rodgers to go. So he would be out of my life completely. Uh, But having him in Denver, I can see where that would be excellent for Denver, but what is Arizona The other way around this is what the hell is Arizona thinking? Like what would they do at the quarterback position? If, if Kyler Murray left.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe they're starting a rebuild and maybe they want to cash in on Kyler. You know, there were some troubling things last year. There were some big moments where um, he made some not smart decisions, which is, you know, huge part of being a quarterback is decision making, and um, maybe they just saw something that that made them decide all of a sudden this guy who came into the year as you know one of the MVP favorites and um, and a lot of people, including myself, were very high on. You know, maybe they saw something that now they don't think that a year later. Um, and before everybody else finds that out, they want to cash in, or maybe you know they still believe in him, but they you know D Hop's pretty old and. You know, uh, a, a lot of their, uh, they now have James Conner, but he's, you know, he, he didn't, he, you know, he didn't really, that wasn't super expected. So I don't know uh-huh. if they really think he's going to be a star. Um, you know, I, I don't know how they feel about Chase Edmonds. Yeah. Their O-line's pretty middle of the pack. So it's like, maybe they just want to start a rebuild. Uh, maybe they think that they missed their window and they want to start a rebuild. And the best way to do that is to cash in and let someone play quarterback for a couple years. Yeah. Um, and then maybe draft one in in the coming years. So I, I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they're low on him. Maybe they're high on him, and they want to, you know, uh, use him to fuel their rebuild. Um, but to me, if they trade Kyler Murray, that is a sign that they're not looking to compete this year.
0: Yeah. But that, yeah. And it's just weird because I mean, JJ Watt went and, and went and either got traded to, or like worked it out to go to Arizona and, and to win a championship. And if, they're they're giving up on Kyler. They're basically giving up on D Hop. Then then like you said, you're basically giving up on James Conner. Then you're giving up on that defense. Like JJ's got to be like, what the heck? Like I came here to win a championship. We're not. And I'll say this too about the Cardinals. Didn't they just do this? Like they they drafted Josh Rosen number one overall or wh- whatever pick he was. He was like a top pick. And then the very next year just dumped him off to to wherever he went to get Kyler Murray. Like they're going through quarterbacks and good quarterbacks at that often. And, and they're just not figuring it out. So I don't, I just don't understand what their motive is. But like you said, maybe they know something about Kyler that we don't, I don't know, but they, they have yet to figure it out. And who am I say, who am I to say something about figuring out the quarterback position? But, but still like, this is alarming that you have an MVP caliber quarterback and, And he takes off his social media stuff, and now everybody's speculating that he's going to be moved this offseason, which is going to be one of the craziest offseasons that we've had, even though last year was a crazy one. So who knows? Another note on Aaron Rodgers is he's building a house in Nashville, so now he's being linked to the Titans as well. So we have him linked to the Titans, and we have him linked to Denver, and we have him linked to staying in Green Bay. So who knows what he's going to do? Russell Wilson now wants to move. Uh, I, I think all of this is going to pick up probably in March when like free agency opens, but I guess they're, maybe they're waiting for the Super Bowl to be over. So who knows, but that, I mean, that the quarterback carousel is kind of beginning here.
1: Yeah. So before we move on from the quarterback, uh, carousel, let's look at it from the other perspective. Now, which teams do you think need to go get it? So I mentioned the Broncos being a good fit. Yeah. So that would be. You know, a team I would say needs to go get a quarterback. Um, I think Anna's probably thinking about her team if she's she's not listening today, but she when she does listen to this, I know she's gonna be yelling out loud that the Steelers probably need to go after a guy. So which teams do you think like have to go after like an Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson type player? Or at least, you know, yeah, you know, give it a fair effort to try yeah. to land a guy no, like that.
0: You were dead on with with Denver. I think that's the number 1 team that I think of. But you know who is a team that's going to have to think about the quarterback position regardless is the Green Bay Packers. Like if they if they don't have Aaron Rodgers, you got to figure something out quick and that might be a rebuild situation up there in Green Bay, but they're going to have to figure it out and they could kind of band-aid the band-aid the 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 time frame of getting a rebuild together and putting a team together with a Russell Wilson that can move around in the pocket a lot better than Aaron Rodgers could, even though Aaron Rodgers is good at running and getting first downs. And they could benefit from a Kyler Murray running around like he does and, and having the the arm that he does. So I think, yes, Denver and Pittsburgh, probably the top two, but Green Bay's got to figure it out. Oakland's got to figure out if they're going to keep Derek Carr or not, or if they're going to go after somebody here. Uh, Tennessee's got to... And what are they going
1: to do in Tampa Bay?
0: Yeah, Tampa, what are they going to do now that Tom Brady's gone? Tennessee, they have to decide if they want to commit to Ryan Tannehill or if they want to get another arm in there. All of these places are... (laughs) There's so many places that have a quarterback that could move and so many places that need a quarterback. So... That they're going to find each other and something's going to happen. I just don't know what shoe is. And I think once one shoe drops, we're going to see a lot like really quickly right after that.
1: Yeah. Um, and I do think also like depending on what quarterback they could get, depending on if Aaron Rodgers will stay in, in green Bay and play more seasons and not retire. Um, or if it's something like a Russell Wilson, like maybe even like a sign in trade or, or maybe Kyler Murray a signing trade where Aaron Rodgers can go play in Arizona or something like yeah. that. And they, they bring back Kyler Murray. Um, I think if they're able to do that, then you also, that affects Devonte Adams, because if they are starting to rebuild, which is a possibility there, um, you know, Aaron Jones is aging. Yeah. Um, Devante's aging, obviously if Aaron Rodgers is out and Devontae's is going to command a lot of money. Um, so, you know, if, if they don't have a quarterback, if they, they have Jordan love throwing, I doubt they're going to pay Devonte his money. They I think they do embrace a rebuild. If they're able to land a guy like Russell Wilson, then I think they pay Devonte the money uh, to stay and be his number one. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely going to influence it. While I was looking that up because I wanted to confirm that Devontae was a free agent, the number one um, article online uh, is uh, Bears are eyeing a run at Devonte Adams next month.
0: Yeah they they've Your had thoughts? they've had. Uh... Um, Obviously, the guy who's now going to be the offensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears, uh, whose name is definitely escaping my brain. Uh, He was the quarterback's coach in Green Bay before he took the offensive coordinator job here in Chicago. And apparently he and Devontae Adams have shared exchanges and talks and text uh, since that move has been made. You know, the Bears need a (laughs) <laughs> the Bears need a wide receiver and a weapon desperately for Justin Fields. Devontae Adams is really good at running and catching footballs. Uh, I wouldn't be mad at it, obviously. But, it, you know, everything... I'm trying to put a back burner to everything because the Bears just hired a first-time general manager, hired a first-time head coach. They put They just put together their staff. The Bears have little to no draft picks to work with in the draft. Every like, just need to chill for a little bit, you know. I just need to, I just need to chill and not get my hopes up for anything. But this Devontae Adams news is is uh, a little alarming because if he came to Chicago, he would have a vengeance against what's happening in Green Bay, and that would help me more than anything. So I have no idea, and I yeah. have no answer for you, my guy.
1: <laughs> it would be an incredible signing, I think. Anytime you can rival. Um, you know, I, I talk about I, I liken a lot of stuff to, to English football. But in there was a really famous Arsenal signing. They signed from Spurs uh, a center back uh, named Sol Campbell. Um, and and they like there was no rumors about it. This was two thousand one. They just held a press conference. A lot of the press didn't even show up because they said, you know, if it was a big player, we would already know about this. Um, and Sol Campbell walked out, uh, and everybody's uh, jaw in the room dropped. And I think it'd be that kind of a signing. It would be a, a, a Johnny Damon going across from Boston to New York kind of a signing um, mm-hmm. where you nab your best player. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers isn't a Packer next year, then theoretically Devontae is their best player. And and, and to poach that away, um, you know, not only from your rival, but then to have him play. And like you said, you know, probably play with a chip on his shoulder.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, really, and, and have a, a young quarterback he could grow with like Josh Fields. Um, I, I mean, that would be to me i w- i would be jumping out of my my seat at at that kind of news but uh, obviously i understand you kind of tempering expectation and <laughs> and not you know getting too excited about something like that but that was just the first thing that i saw yeah. um and i you know i wanted to to see your thoughts um speaking of of new head coaches we have a bunch um i i don't think we need to go through all of them no but like are there any that stick out to you as really good signings
0: so um <laughs> Does anything stick out to me as good signings? No, uh, <laughs> the, the the names are very <laughs> um, kind of whatever. To be honest with you, um, the one that just happened, Lovey Smith with Houston, that raises all kinds of red flags. I'm very happy for for Lovey to get his opportunity uh, with the Texans to be the head coach. But being the head coach of the Houston Texans has to by far be the worst job in the NFL. Um, And they never really committed to Lovey full time. Like, I don't know if you saw the announcement that they had. They just said he's going to be the head coach in 2022. Like they didn't really commit to to him being there long term, which is super weird, uh, especially for the organization like the Houston Texans. But Uh, That one was different to me. I'm really happy for Lovey. I'm glad he's getting another opportunity. Obviously, he took the Bears to a Super Bowl. And then he had a couple of really, really rough years in Tampa uh, before getting fired down there. Uh, He took Illinois to a bowl bowl game uh, when he was the head coach of Illinois. And he's been the defensive coordinator for Houston. Um, So they went in-house and got him. So I'm happy for him. Josh McDaniels going to to Las Vegas for the Raiders in a second opportunity after he failed uh, in Denver. Uh, he's leaving the, 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 the um, Death Star known as the New England Patriots. I'm wondering if that's a, a situation, and I want your opinion here too, I'm wondering if that's a situation where Josh McDaniels wanted to stay in New England because he was for certain that once Bill retired, he was just going to take over and it would be business as usual. And when Tom moved to Tampa, maybe he thought that Bill was going to just dwindle away. And obviously Bill is taking on Mac Jones, so maybe he's going to be around for another 20 years for all we know. So maybe Josh McDaniels just said, screw it, I'm just going to go take another job. And he's got a good opportunity in Las Vegas to have a, key, a few like key pieces but uh, what do you think of maybe that's why he left is because he realized he would not be the heir apparent to Bill Belichick within the next three years or so.
1: I don't I don't know if if it was that like cynical from from him um, I, I don't know if you can like study Bill Belichick every day and work under him and and kind of you know be his apprentice for years and years and years and like have a plan to like get him out like I think, Because of how great he is, there has to be like a worry about it. Um, I think like taking over for him would be a monumental. I I don't know if Josh McDaniels is naive enough to say like, it'd be like, you know, all systems running and smooth sailing without him. Um, I, you know, so it it might not have even been a job he wanted, you know, do you want to take over for Bill Belichick after he leaves new England? Um, I think, I, I think the more likely thing is, is probably that, he for so long was able to be the number two on the most dominant franchise, maybe in American sports at the time. Um, and so like, it was okay to not be the one somewhere because you were the two of somewhere so much better than everywhere else. Sure. Um, and now that like Tom left and like, yeah, they have Mac Jones, but they got absolutely smacked by a division rival that they have owned over the years. <laughs> they got smacked by that team in a playoff game. And maybe josh McDaniels looked around and went okay now i'm number two at a normal franchise um yeah. and and do i want to be number two you know at just an everyday good competing franchise or do i want to be number one at you know the raiders played a playoff game they played as well so do i want to be number one at a, a, a different playoff team and be able to have a chance to do it myself uh, i think that's probably more of the motivation um, uh, but maybe, maybe he did want the new England job and maybe I'm, I'm kind of projecting onto him cause I don't know. Um, but if he wanted the new England job, maybe he did see Mac Jones come in and as a breath of fresh air and go, uh, okay. I, I don't think I'm touching this one anytime soon. Let me go try to lay some seeds down. So I, I, I don't think what you're saying is crazy or ridiculous. Uh, I just think, I don't know if it's that cynical.
0: Yeah, I hear you. That's a, that's a good point on, on your part to that, that division is a lot tougher now with with buffalo right there so that's a good point uh i will note of the eight or nine head coaches that were hired three of them are defensive minded and the rest are offensive uh this is an offensive driven league so it's interesting that three uh guys chose to go the defensive route um obviously the franchises have a plan in place so we'll see how it works out uh one more kind of football story that I want to get to, and then we'll take a break from football for a little bit, and then and then we'll we'll wrap things up with the Super Bowl. Uh, so, I, anytime Stephen A. Smith's name comes up in the news, I just get giddy because I don't agree with I. There more times than not, I do not agree with what Stephen A. Smith has to say, but the man is just a content machine, and anything he says could be recorded. And, and, and taken out of context or taken in context, and it's incredible. And an instance like that happened today. Uh, <laughs> um, Stephen A. Smith was talking about the New York football Giants and uh, some toxicity that was in the New York Giants system. And then Tiki Barber, who was a former running back for the New York football Giants, Uh, was on a radio show and basically called out Stephen A. Smith and was like, if you need to hear anything about the Giants, do not go to Stephen A. Smith. Come to me. He doesn't know what's going on under the hood of the New York Giants like I do because I played for the New York Giants. Pretty obvious stuff. And then today, at the end of first take, I don't have the word-for-word quote, and I'm scared of copyright, so I can't play it for you. But Stephen A. Smith... Basically threatened Tiki Barber and said, "I know stuff about you that I'm not gonna put out in these airwaves because I respect you. Don't come at me." And I'm like, "What, Stephen A? You can't just threaten somebody like that on national television."
1: <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Like I I'm not a big Stephen A. a fan, and I don't know what he knows. Uh, Tiki Barber, like if I remember correctly, was like a pretty milk toast guy.
0: Yeah, um, as a running back some, in the yeah.
1: NFL, you know, running backs um, kind of you know have a reputation with guys like Ray Rice and um, and people who you know that's a tough position. Those are those are hard guys, and usually you know they they have a little bit more attitude and they 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 don't mind you know when you're young and you're the running back, you're like taking handoff after handoff. You're kind of taking the team onto your back and. And it's kind of, uh, in a lot of ways, like the point guard where, um, you know, you're, the eyes are on you. And, and so usually you kind of like the limelight and you can kind of get into some trouble. Um, there's been some very uh, controversial running back attitudes over the years. And then there's T.E. Barber who, like, retired early because he didn't want his family to miss out on on his time with him while he was, you know, things like that. Like, he was always so yeah. almost boring, but then especially also, in a place like New York where yeah. –
0: But also, like, right after he retired and he took, like, the TV gig and stuff, he had to step away from the TV gig because uh, he cheated on his wife with an intern while his wife was pregnant. So that all happened. But that's public. So I don't know what Stephen A. Smith has that's not public or if he even has anything at all. But Stephen A. Smith just, like, what are you doing, man? Just shut up. Like, somebody doesn't like you. Just just take it.
1: yeah i think to him being like i think his it would have just looked better if he just didn't respond like i just like one football player being like hey that guy doesn't know what he's talking about like Stephen a says that he doesn't know what people are talking about or that other people don't know what they're talking about all the time so he should just be like yeah okay i'm fine with it so i don't know he's uh i don't like when sports casters become the story yeah um, my favorite sport are the ones that are able to kind of just put the, like the, the bow on the wrapper of like, what just happened? Like you, you know, famous home run calls or last out calls. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you could recite the, uh, the Cubs winning in um, you know, the last out and, and how, what, what the broadcast happened like, um, you know, me and my dad still kind of like, will say to each other, like. It, this the beginning of the angels broadcast when you know the last out in 2002 uh when the they flew out to kenny lofton flew out to uh to center field to darren erstad and i still know that and like that broadcast i loved rex hudler because like it added to the sport and i think like stephen a doesn't add to the sport he like makes the broadcasting about him
0: uh and that's yeah. why i'm
1: not a huge fan and, and this has happened it's happening here too yeah no um, you're so absolutely I, right so i i
0: yeah, you're absolutely right. For sure. But, also, great uh great name drop with Dennis Ernstad because yes. D- love me some early 2000s baseball. Erset.
1: Oh yeah, I could I could still name when I was like pro- probably 2005-2006, I could tell you every starting lineup of every MLB team. Oh yeah. Uh, sure. I just always loved knowing it and I could still tell you that O2 team from 1 to 9 um, with, you know, our, our whole lineup, our whole rotation. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, we'll get more into that kind of stuff, you know, when baseball comes around and that's, I think why we, why I miss it so much, but I, I am a nerd about sports, but there's no sport I get nerdier than, um, than baseball.
0: Yeah. I hear you. Uh, in the, when I lived in, in Atlanta, I would say in the 2003, 2004, around that time frame, I knew how to uh, replicate each of the Braves' starting lineup batting stance in the order of the batting order. So, uh, yeah, definite nerd yeah. about baseball. However, there was
1: a there was a tw- there was a tweet about that, and that I believe you responded to right. That you gave an answer who was the
0: best yeah, one to recreate. Who, yeah. who did you who did you say? I said Gary Sheffield. I mean, just swinging the bat on the shoulders like that. Like, I mean, yes, steroids, whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, batting stance, undeniably, Gary Sheffield, you know, just waving the bat as fast as he could. And then his bat speed was so fast. And when he hit a ball, he hit a ball. Like, it was either going to go through your glove or it was going to hit somebody in the face in the bleachers. Like, I mean, he crushed Yeah, Um, Yeah. He had one
1: of the, the best swings for sure. Yeah. So did
0: Barry. Barry, of course,
1: Barry Bonds had one of the iconic. He had a little bit of a slower, and he kind of, through his back shoulder yep. into it as well.
0: Yep, slamming um, he, Sammy and,
1: Sosa. And, and, and yep, Sosa had a great swing. Ken Griffey Jr. Maybe a lot of people would argue had the purest swing of all time. Um, the way it dipped and the just the the launch angle that it took before launch angle was a thing or anybody yeah. talked about it. Just the 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 pure motion of it. In fact, I mean it was you know the the illustration of the swing was used in video games and, and everything. Yeah, um, but my favorite to reenact um was the the big daddy vladdy uh vladimir (laughs) guerrero senior you have to say now yeah he had uh he had the the closed both feet so you know some Uh some hitters would would close their front foot he closed both feet so his back foot he actually pointed his toe in as well so it was almost like um you know like uh, he pointed his toes towards his other feet and then he had just like he held his wrists up above his shoulder um and and he would let the bat drop just a little bit every once in a while and it was always right before the ball came and if you know if you remember vladdy from the from the early 2000s he would swing at anything he yeah. would hit they yeah. tried to intentionally walk him and he would single to right field
0: yeah i mean he hit balls literally off the ground too and another thing that i like about vladdy bare hands that's incredible like anybody yep. who's out there with bare just hands, like moises Alou yep love it uh, my top three batting stances of all time while we're talking about it. Number one will always be Larry Wayne Chipper Jones. Both sides of the plate, smooth and looked exactly the same. And that's something that's not easy to do. Number two, Ken Griffey Jr. Like you said, just iconic, smooth, uh, was launch angle before launch angle existed and number three i've had the uh, i've been lucky enough i think to see it lot li- yes i saw him live in atlanta and i saw him hit a home run and that was uh mike trout mike trout his swing he keeps the bat as relatively still as possible kind of a little bit of wiggle but his bat speed is incredible and it's smooth and And when he is doing his follow-through, I don't know if you've noticed this, but you're an Angels fan, so you probably can. Uh, His follow-through, two hands. Both hands do not leave the bat if it's a good swing. And he, I mean, just as pure as it gets, Mike Trout might be one of the best, if not the best, baseball players I've ever seen live. Uh, which I which I am very lucky to do so. and uh, I wish he was publicized more. And I wish that uh, I, I hope that he's around for another 10, 15 years because I could watch Mike Trout swing a bat and play center field until the day I die.
1: Yeah, I mean he he has maybe the most economical swing of all time. Um, it is I mean nothing is wasted. Um, and, and it's, if you go back and look at his stats, it kind of reflects in his stats because people think Mike Trout came up as the perfect player. Uh, but the truth is he came up and you know, he had each year, new problems arose. And the reason he was so good from the time he was a rookie and, and the reason I consider him the greatest baseball player of all time is because every single year he got better by removing parts of the swing without sacrificing what usually is sacrificed. So, you know, he used to not be able to hit the fastball up high, then he shortened his swing up and now he can get to the fastball up high without giving up his power, which he naturally hits low on with on low balls. Yeah. So, and and then he, you know, and then, and then his, the next year in his going into his third year in the league, people said the biggest thing was that he swung at strikes out of the zone and then he cut it. and, And in his third and fourth year, he became elite at swinging at only strikes. So it's like he was he cuts things off of his swing yeah and he's so he doesn't waste the step he doesn't waste the motion. like you said he finishes with two hands. He's done with his swing by the time the bat's crossing over the front shoulder. that's yeah. why he's able to put two on it because what a lot of people need to do is not be able they're not able to slow it down and they're still putting putting force into it when it's passing their front shoulder and you just can't have your backhand trail follow like that. The bats moving too quick and you lose it and it goes out into one hand. But if you try to keep it in both hands then you're losing power on your swing, you're losing speed on your swing. Mike Trout can do that wrist and that snap of his wrist so quick across the plate that he's done with it by the time it's at his shoulders and he can keep that backhand on it the whole time, which gives him so much control. And that's why he hits 40 home runs, but still hits 320.
0: Yeah. And I like what you said about uh, simplifying the swing, too, because another player who does that, and I'm trying not to be biased, and I'm sorry, but Chris Bryant, look at it from when he came up in 2015 to what it was last season. He simplified his swing a lot, but I will say with with, uh, Chris Bryant, it's more uh, launch-angled focused with his adjustments, but he's simplifying his swing also like Mike Trout is, but Mike Trout doesn't strike me as the type for uh, launch angle situations. He's out there to hit a ball and, and do his best for his team, which I love. And, uh, that this is all coming about because I have on this prep sheet to say that, uh, the major league baseball owners and the players association could not be farther away from negotiations. Uh, spring training is definitely going to be shortened if not canceled. Uh, and opening day is in a uh, very, very, very deep trouble and I'm sad and everything's stupid and I hate it. Thoughts. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh yeah so yeah i mean you yeah. you know how mad i'm
1: i am about this i like we you know i'm gonna be in southern california i've only seen mike trout play once in my entire life um and that's as an angels fan as a as a huge Angels fan who is like it's not like oh he's here but i don't want to see him he has never played in the vicinity of me uh it i would have had to make a you know nine hour drive to tampa bay to see him like twice a year like i have seen him one time when years ago um in like it was like 2013 i think so he was maybe uh maybe he might have been a rookie or second year in the league are you talking about Um, that ever since then like
0: like you No, so
1: i was in i know i was in southern california when you saw him in atlanta that year Um, yeah i was in southern california during that i was on vacation and i missed it gotcha yeah i saw him play i saw him play maybe like 2013 in la in you know in anaheim Um, play at home against the Yankees. It's the only time I've ever seen him play. I was supposed to see him 2020, July of 2020, um, and those games did
0: not happen, so he did not come to to Atlanta that year. Pat, who is in the audience, could really help me out here because we saw the Angels play at Wrigley, and I I feel like he was out an injury. I was supposed to see him earlier in the year, but the game actually got snowed out. Uh but I think he was injured when they came in twenty nineteen uh when when I went to see him. Pat might be able to remember if uh we saw him live or not. I can't remember, but I know I saw him and I saw him homer in Atlanta, and it was in 2014, uh when when I saw him. So that's what I know, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, we're never gonna see baseball ever again. And I'm very sad about it. So uh <laughs> That concludes this week. Yeah, and I'm going to be in Southern California for it. So I'm going to be very, very upset
1: when I'm in the place where the Angels play while the Angels aren't playing because of Rob Manfred. Yeah,
0: that thus concludes this edition of Two Sad Baseball Boys, uh, and we will move (laughs) on here. Uh, So a couple conversation starters for us here. The first one I want to talk about NASCAR they had their clash this this uh, weekend, which is a non-points race, so it doesn't count. It's like a it's like an invitational kind of situation or a friendly in soccer, if you will. Uh, and they did it at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. This is the first time that NASCAR did an event in the Coliseum. Uh, they paved a track on the surface, and it was a quarter mile track. And they got in a bunch of, uh oh, <laughs> Pat with the link for baseball reference to show us if he was in the lineup or not. And he was. He went one for four and scored a run, but he struck out twice. Good find, Pat. Thank you very much. Uh, let's hear it. Let's hear it for Pat, everybody. Pat Moriarty. Yep. Yes. Uh, thank you, Pat. And,
1: and can I just add? Can I just add that the, the angels losing eight to one in the middle of June or in the beginning of June um, and Mike Trout scoring the only run is the most angel stat line I've ever seen.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're absolutely correct. Um, thank you, Pat. I appreciate that. Uh, Back to NASCAR, so they they paved a track in the Coliseum. It was a quarter-mile track. They had up to 23 cars at a time on the surface. It was absolute chaos, and it was incredible, which leads me to this question for you and whoever else wants to answer this. What are some sports venues that you would like to see an abnormal sport played in that venue, like a NASCAR race inside a football stadium? you know, stuff like that. That's possible at least.
1: Yeah. I mean, on, obviously the, like the number one thing I'd like to see is more soccer played um, in the, in the United States. Um, so like, it would be really fun to see. There's been talks of like El Clasicos happening where you get to see Real and Barcelona play. Um, so I just, I think, you know, maybe at the Mercedes Benz dome um, in, uh, you know, in Atlanta there that's really well known for these atmospheres that, that atlanta united uh supporters create at those soccer games it'd be really cool i I know that doesn't it's not really the example like the example you gave because it's still soccer's already played there Uh, but european soccer played um in in these big stadiums that we have in the country would be really cool yeah um seeing that atmosphere carried over into such a large venue um i would also like to see college football maybe played um in some like like we don't get enough neutral site college football um, where, you know, maybe maybe played in, um, you know, more open environment might be cool somewhere off of a college campus where, um, you know, other college or, you know, non-college age people have more access. Um, but what what is do you have an example that that you would like to see?
0: Yeah, so. I have some examples of things that have already happened, like the like the NASCAR race at the Coliseum. So obviously you have um, the hockey games, the outdoor classics or the winter classics taking place at football and baseball stadiums across the country. Open air, outdoor hockey. Um, Those are really cool. They've they've done them at Wrigley Field. They did it at Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, Places like that has been really cool to see. Um, Oh, and Lake Tahoe last year. That was pretty cool. They they just set up a rink next to Lake Tahoe, uh, but they had to wait until nighttime because A, the ice was melting, and B, the sun was blinding. So they didn't really think about it too much. <laughs> but uh, stuff like that, I really, I really like seeing sports played where they're not supposed to be played. Uh, the Yankee Stadium hosts a college bowl game, a football game, the Pinstripe Bowl, every year at Yankee Stadium. Uh, this year at Wrigley Field, they play, uh, Purdue and Northwestern played a football game there, uh, and it's unique because both sidelines were on the same side of the field, so that was kind of fun. Um, just just quirky things like that. But as far as like NASCAR goes, I would love to see street races, like they do in Formula One and IndyCar. They have street races, and they're, they have street races all over the place. But there's not a lot of street races here in America, so they've they've uh, tracked out a, a map here in Chicago they did one in Nashville last year I would love to see some street races and maybe you can incorporate like a little loop inside a stadium or something like that through a tunnel you know uh, so I, I don't know my my mind is wandering uh, I would I would love some weird things to happen maybe one of your soccer games could be played at the infield of one of these huge nascar tracks like daytona or talladega you could have like a, a sporting event inside that
1: yeah yeah and that, of course we there's the the baseball in the middle of the field the um that we had last year um, yeah, you know, in the cornfield, oh, um, yeah. that was a great example.
0: Oh, the field of dreams yeah. game. Yes, that was perfect. And they're going to, re- and they're going to do it again this year, this year, it's the Cubs and Reds playing it. But honestly, you can't replicate the first time they did it. The first time they did it, it was awesome.
1: Yeah. The game was, was amazing. I actually had a free bet. That's when I wasn't doing a lot of sports betting yet. And I had a free bet for like a hundred bucks. I was like, or I think it was 25 bucks and I put it on and I won like 200 bucks um on i think i had the over on home runs um and and they hit like i think i needed that tim anderson walk off
0: um so i
1: like i didn't have a team to to cheer for i hate the yankees i grew up hating yankees i actually have tim anderson in a dynasty league i play in too so kind of a tim anderson fan um and then kind of hate the yankees so i would have been happy either way but the fact that it hit the over that was like my biggest win in betting to that day yeah. You know, it was like uh, I think I made like one hundred and seventy five bucks and I was going wild.
0: That's awesome. Um, so I like man. That was a really too.
1: fun game. I mean, yeah, he, he plays baseball the right way. He's exciting. He's like that next generation shortstop yeah. in my eyes. Yeah. Um, and so, something that MLB should really be embracing.
0: Definitely. Um, so, yeah. So hopefully there's some weird, quirky uh, sports things coming up in the future that we can talk about about that. Um so just a thought but you also had a fun thought too yeah. of a conversation starter.
1: Yeah, like so there was a Twitter uh it was a tweet and it was just about like what sports um conspiracy do you believe happened? Um and I sent it to you and I said it'd be fun to just kind of spend the day <clears throat> looking through sports conspiracies and just kind of seeing which ones um you know you think might have happened. Um and obviously there's some super famous ones um, there is, you know, everything to do with Spygate and deflate gate, um, are both, you know, wrapped in conspiracy. Um, there is the 1985 NBA draft where the Knicks took the, uh, got to get Patrick Ewing. A lot of people thought that that might've been rigged. Um, you know, there's even so far as to think there's people who think that, um, that the, uh, intentional power or the power outage, uh, in Baltimore that canceled a game in 1997 um, uh, they, there's people that think that, that power, that, that citywide power outage was caused as a conspiracy for the Orioles to continue Cal Ripken Jr.'s, uh, streak of games played because he was going to miss that game that day. Mm. Um, so by having it postponed, it saved the record, um, and prolonged it. And he had already broken the record, but, um, it, it, you know, he, they, in their eyes, they, they were thinking, you know, we're needing to extend it even further um because this is two years after he'd broken it um lou Gehrig's record yeah uh, but they wanted to make it even longer so that it'd never get broken and um and that one's obviously wild i don't believe that one there were news reports at the time uh that showed ripkin was at the stadium and sitting in the, the dugout prior to the outage and might have even ended up playing and that it you know it it that one's crazy uh but there are some some interesting ones Um, obviously there's one of the most famous sports conspiracies in history. And one that I actually do believe uh, is the Michael Jordan um, suspension that his first retirement was a secret suspension for gambling. Um, I I know everybody by now has seen the story um, through, you know, the, the uh, one, the last dance documentary, but just too many coincidences. Um, I could see him wanting maybe a break from like, from the top level of sports, but if you're going to do that, why go play another top sport? Um, and why, you know, why not take a break from the cameras and why, when you're so competitive, play a sport, you're not the best at, um, I, you know, I, I think that, you know, his dad as, as sad as it was, the story was, it didn't quite add up that he was just randomly killed. Um, and I, and so I, I think that, that like a lot of things pointed to Michael Jordan having a gambling, you know, Affinity at the at, you know at at least um, and so and then he takes this year he plays a little baseball he's not great um, and then he comes right back to basketball um, and so I in my eyes um, and and the way you know seeing the way that um, David Stern you know seeing the way that David Stern uh, favored Michael talks about Michael yeah. treated Michael talked to Michael like it through that that documentary and through other things. And just growing up during that era i mean that's the way he would have handled it. it would have been in you know conceding it in secret and um and jordan also said like during a press conference like that he might come back to the nba if david stern let him back so I actually believe this one. Uh, is there one that, first of all, I mean, do you, what do you think? You grew up, you were in Chicago in, in this time.
0: What, uh, what do
1: people think? What do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Uh, that is one conspiracy theory that I absolutely believe 100%. I think he was definitely suspended. And uh, they did, And David Stern really helped him out by not having him look bad for the suspension. Uh, I definitely think that absolutely happened. And you can tell by just the relationship that David Stern and Michael Jordan had, Michael Jordan was basketball and quite frankly still is basketball. And and David Stern knew that and, and we knew that the gambling thing was a situation. So David Stern wanted to take care of it, but you can't, like, if you were going to suspend Michael Jordan for a whole year, that would look bad on the NBA just as much as it would look bad on Michael Jordan. So I think that you're absolutely right with, They probably just said, why don't you retire, but then not retire a couple years from now. So I believe that one. I don't know if this is a conspiracy theory or not, because there's footage of it happening. And uh, I actually have the uh, Tim Burns or not Tim Burns, uh, the baseball documentary, the uh, PBS baseball documentary uh, coming on. And and I'm going to see it. But Babe Ruth calling his shot. Is something that I would like to see. Like, I would like to see the footage of it, and I. It would be great if you could like talk to people that were there and they could witness it. Talk to the pitcher if Babe Ruth actually said the things to him, like "I'm gonna put this over the fence right there," stuff like that. That's one that I've always been curious about. I read books about it, like, like um. There's a book called Babe and Me. Uh, it was a it was a book that I read in like second or third grade. And it was basically this kid, he went back in time and he was friends with Babe Ruth and and like he was with him when Babe called. There was a the shot. whole series. Yeah. Yeah, there, and me too. yeah Jackie and Me, Joe Babe and, and Me, Shoeless Joe. Yeah. yeah I, I read all of yeah. those. Yeah. And uh so the Babe Ruth calling a shot thing is just something that I would definitely like to like to get to the bottom of, quite frankly.
1: Yeah the the other one i believe in which is like hard for me to believe in because i was growing up in in la in you know 2002 i was i was eight in la so i was obviously a lakers fan um and the game six of the 2002 western conference finals uh when we were losing to the kings uh and we were down in the series um and just like we got 27 free throws in the fourth quarter and there was there was really questionable calls um, and I, I believe, um, unfortunately, that it was in order to get the Lakers to that three-peat. I think like they saw how much Chicago's three-peats did for the league um, and how much excitement and buzz was created around the NBA. And I think the whole NBA wanted the Lakers to win that game um, and win that series and win that year. Um, and so I, I do believe that one. Um, there's some more crazy ones, too. People think that, um, you know... Um, Muhammad Ali knocked out Sonny Liston with a rigged phantom punch. Um, I, I, there's video of it. You yeah. slow it down and it's clear. I mean,
0: what about you can when, watch his head snap? What about when Paul Pierce like pooped his pants in the in the playoff game for the Celtics? <laughs> That's a conspiracy theory. Yeah, I
1: mean. I, yeah, I, I like, in my heart, I believe he pooped his pants because Definitely I've never, never liked Paul Pierce. <laughs> even at the time they were playing the Lakers, and even at the time he was, I remember, like, he, like, limped off, and I remember thinking, he he's faking it. He faked it. And then he comes back on, and, of course, he hits a three-pointer, and uh, I can't stand Paul Pierce. But let's stay in, like, let's stay, you know, with one more, I want to ask you, you uh, are soon to be married to a big Penguins fan. Um, and, uh, and, and we talked actually a little bit, uh, really quick Ian Michael Moss. What about the NBA finals between the Dallas Mavericks and the, and the Miami heat where the Mavericks had more free throws in the fourth quarter than Miami had points in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a questionable one. What what do you think? Uh, Did, do you remember I'd that those finals, Tommy?
0: So no, I I remember the finals, but I don't remember that sequence of things happening. Um, would love. I I definitely need to look into that for sure. Um, about that. But yeah, anytime like when you're talking about free throws in the fourth quarter, though, absolutely the conspiracy theories are gonna fly because it, remember the the guy yeah. Tim whatever he was the referee for the NBA that was betting on the games. Uh, if he, if he personally was involved in that, absolutely. But anytime like the, the, the free throws keep adding up for a team that's down in a fourth quarter of an NBA game, you've got to be thinking like, okay, who's got money on this?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it makes sense that they're winning and that's what was so questionable. And, uh, Ian, I don't don't know if you could share in the chat. I don't know if like what the game context was, um, but I know with the, the Lakers in in um, they were losing going into that quarter. If if a team is right. up by like five points going into the fourth quarter and then they have, you know, a monstrous amount of free throws, that's one thing, but um, I'm I'm not sure. I do remember one thing I know about that finals, I believe it was 2011, um, and, and that was, you know, LeBron was still searching for his first one and, and he wanted to be vindicated by the move to Miami. So a lot of people really didn't want to see it happen. A lot of people really did want to see it happen. But I remember that Dallas Mavericks team being very underrated um, in those playoffs because they beat Kobe, uh, who was, who, you know, he was, he, that, that late 08, 09, 2010, 2011 Kobe
0: teams yeah
1: were so hard to beat. And I wonder, the Mavericks so, wiped the floor. Let's
0: see. The Mavericks and the Heat played in, was it 06? That's when uh, Shaq and D Wade beat the Mavericks. But then they matched up a couple yeah. times when LeBron went because the Mavericks won one of them and then LeBron won one of them. Remember, yeah, Dallas was down in the fourth quarter and that was LeBron in Miami. Yeah, okay, yeah, so LeBron's first one is what he's talking about, maybe. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, if LeBron James is involved, uh, gotcha. absolutely. Uh, they're going to take, take care of their little baby LeBron for sure. Uh, I'm with you, Ian. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what the context what is. It... By God, Ian, I'm with you.
1: Another another golden child um, that I was... Before we got to Ian's, um, I was going to bring up to you because um, Anna is such a big Penguins fan. Uh, there's rumors that the NFL draft or NHL draft uh, was rigged so that the Penguins would get Sidney Crosby so that he'd save their franchise, which we talked about a little yeah. bit, I think, last week or the week before about how he was seen as like the savior of the NHL. Yeah, um, if you ask any... Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins.
0: Yeah, if you... Uh if you ask any Philadelphia Flyer fan, they'll absolutely tell you that it was rigged. Um, But I wasn't, I can't say I was, I can't say I was a huge NHL fan back when, when he got drafted. I remember when he got, when he got, um, when he got drafted. And I remember, like Ian said, that the dumpster fire, that the, that the Penguins were, I mean, they were getting ready to ship the team out and, and Sydney absolutely saved them. Uh, So I can see where that I can see where that's rigged. Uh, yeah, you could say that about the. And now, and then like there's we're talking about one. things that are rigged and stuff. I mean, we're talking about the NA, NFL coaches who apparently are NFL owners who are apparently paying their coaches to tank so they can get the number one yeah. pick. That's kind of a conspiracy theory out there right now.
1: Yeah, and then there's of course um, there's one staying in basketball and staying with LeBron leaving Cleveland. There are people who think that the NBA uh, rigged the the lottery pick uh, for Cleveland to get Kyrie number one at the year after LeBron left. Um, so that that's something I could see happening. Um, but yeah. there's a lot of conspiracies about the NBA rigged um, drafts, and and that's why it's it's hard to do a lottery system yeah. because yeah. Um, when you when you pull names out of a hat, sometimes you say it's rigged.
0: I'm gonna keep this. Uh, I'm gonna keep this. Pocket or this topic in the back pocket, top topic pocket, uh, for when we don't have any football to talk about for sure. We're definitely going to come back to this, uh, but real quick, uh, while we're wrapping up here, Jason, we got a Super Bowl on Sunday. It's the uh, Los Angeles Rams taking on the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, the line opened at three and a half in favor of the Rams. It is sitting at four for the Rams. The Bengals' money line is plus 170. The total is 48 and a half. Jason, if this game were to take place tonight, what is your pick? I, I, I think that because
1: I've doubted the Rams all year long, and anytime time d- I doubt them, they do well, I think that the Rams will win. But my bet and and what I would submit is I would take the money line for, for the uh, the Bengals. We had uh, the Scoo come on the show the other day and talk about how he's taken every money line in the entire playoff and how happy he's been with it. Uh, maybe I got a little jealous, um, but I think, uh, I think I'm think i taking the, the Bengals money line at plus 170, and I might even parlay with the over because the over is definitely hitting. Um, Joe Burrow and Matt Safford are both going to go off. Jamari Chase and Cooper Cup will both have big performances. Um, the big pick I have, uh, is Cooper cup, two touchdowns or more. Um, and, and I'm going to go over, uh, with, uh, with the Bengals winning it.
0: I'm going to take a cop out here a little bit, kind of. And I don't know how I'm going to wake up on Sunday morning, but I'll tell you this. If the game is going to go over 48 points, the Bengals are winning it. And if the game is going to be under 48 points, the Rams are winning it. And that is because, Joe Burrow, with his offensive line, is going to go against Aaron Donald over here, Von Miller right here, and for whatever stupid reason, Leonard Floyd over here. So, <laughs> I mean, that is a defense that is scary, and there's nobody that's blocking for him. So, if if I had to make a pick right now, I think I'd go Rams minus four just because of the defense. But if points are going to be scored and it's going to be a shootout, I would take the Bengals.
1: Well, we'll see on Sunday, and then uh, no doubt the next Tuesday will be an exciting Tuesday. Takes to recap the Super Bowl.
0: Yes, we will recap the Super Bowl next Tuesday, six o'clock, uh, right here on the Colorcast app. If you miss a show, remember it is a podcast; it'll be out there. We do have some really exciting things coming up as far as Tuesday takes and the and the future of the the whole Tommy Experience brand. So, uh. S- uh, stick around for that tune into that uh we'll be making some announcements soon but thank you for listening tonight uh to tuesday takes my name Tommy is- before we go oh yeah first td score first td score first Who's to- your first td score of super bowl first td score of the super bowl uh, b- 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 i will go cooper cup yep
1: yeah, cooper cups my pick as well um, I think that he scores first for sure. All right.
0: Well, there you go. Cooper Cup first touchdown score. Go ahead and just lock that in because that's the pick. That's our that's our Super Bowl pick. Agreed. One Super Bowl pick. All right, Jason. Thank you. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. And we'll uh, we'll do it again next week.
1: See you guys.